entrepreneurs, business owners, professionals who seek excellence, bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builder Show. Here's Marty Wolf. We still got a long way to go. Yes, we all got a long way to go. Welcome to the Business Builder Show with Marty Wolf. The show for entrepreneurs, business owners, and business leaders. I'm Marty Wolf, your host for the Business Builder Show, and along with my executive producer, D.C. Taylor, we will be your guides on this learning journey. Let me tell you my super objective in being with you today. I want to enthusiastically share stories and information to inspire leaders. That's you, by the way, so you can inspire others. My guest with me today is Lindsay Peterson. Hi, Lindsay Peterson. How are you? Welcome to the show. Hi, Marty. I'm great. I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for having me. I read a great book by Lindsay Peterson, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Let me do a a very short, brief introduction. Lindsay Peterson is the author of Forging an Ironclad Brand, A Leader's Guide. She is a brand strategist and leadership coach who views brand as a blend of science, intuition, behavioral economics, and ancient storytelling. She developed the ironclad method while building brands with companies such as Starbucks, Clorox, many others. Lindsay lives in Seattle, so I'm assuming she's sipping a Starbucks coffee as we start to speak. (laughs) I am, and looking out at the rain. (laughs) And and staying out of the rain. So, Lindsay Peterson, you wrote a great book. I'm going to say it again. It's called Forging an Ironclad Brand, A Leader's Guide. Why do you want to remind us that it's a leader's guide? guide. What's the point there? Yeah. Two reasons. One is that the leader is the one who has the most to gain from a well-crafted brand. Hmm. Uh, that's that's the maybe the, the headline here mm-hmm. is that, okay. that be, because brand is the biggest source of value creation that there is, and assuming that the leader is trying to create value in his or her business, uh, the, the leader is the one who, who most gains from understanding brand and from owning it. The second reason is that practically, the leader is actually the only person who can own a brand. And the reason is that any brand that is worth its salt is a brand that has made choices. Hmm. It has decided to lean into one thing. And in deciding to lead to lean into that one thing, it has decided not to lean into an infinite number of other things. Hmm. And so where this where the, where the rubber hits the road with leadership is in giving air cover to all of the employees and teammates and partners and peers and sometimes even investors to make choices according to that um, brand as North Star. So if the leader, it's actually kind of disingenuous for a leader to call something a brand if he or she isn't actively engaged in choosing it because um, otherwise that person won't be able to give air cover when other people are trying to make trade-offs against it. So it's also the right thing to do by your employees. So I was going to ask this question later, but you've kind of got me thinking I should ask it now. Is it 
only the leader's responsibility or only the marketing department's responsibility to build that brand? Mm. So let me start with a definition. The, a brand is what a company stands for in the mind of their audience. And marketing is the set of activities that bring that meaning to life. So absolutely people beyond the marketing department are making choices that touch the customer and therefore they're making choices according to the brand that they're building either consciously or passively. Mm -hmm. So it is, it's probably the biggest misconception out there, especially in certain industries that brand is something that one delegates to marketing. Mm. If brand is delegated to marketing, then it's probably largely a, um, a messaging strategy. It's not really a brand strategy. Mm. It's the way that you talk and communicate, which is wildly important. But you have to start with the very beginning. What is it that you're creating? What is your product? What is your offering? How are you going to price it? How are you going to get it to people? How are, these are the four P's, right? Mm -hmm. um, how, what, it, what are the things that you're going to um, uh, trade off with your R&D or with your new product improvements? Where are you going to innovate? Where are you not going to innovate? All of those things happen well before messaging, mm -hmm. happen well before what we call traditional marketing. So mm -hmm. to delegate, quote unquote, delegate brand to marketing is essentially to um, to forego most of the power of brand, mm -hmm. which happens at the very beginning with the customer insight, um, what this customer is grappling with because they don't have your offering, because they don't have your service and starting with that problem. So it's super important for marketing to be engaged in brand, but it's also super important for everybody who influences the customer experience to be embracing brand, hmm. right? It's both and. In the old days, I guess, in the world of traditional marketing, possibly the uh, person or the company with the biggest megaphone or money could force that message upon us. Um, those days are kind of gone, aren't they, Lindsay? It's so true. It, it, it There was a time, and yeah, you can call it the old days, but in some ways it's actually a short period of time. So yeah, call it really? the second half of the 20th century, where TV advertising was such a brute force medium for communicating a message. And it's expensive, and therefore only a handful of entities could use it. And the more money you had, the more you could spend on TV media and the more awareness you could generate and the more recall you could generate because they sort of had a lock on people's access to learning about things. Mm. The, the only thing they had, the, the only way that people could learn about things was through TV, print media, and from word of mouth, which is hard to do with just through just a lot of money. Mm. So it's true that during that era, if you had a lot of money, you could get a lot of mind share. You couldn't necessarily buy people loving your mm. company, but you could certainly buy their um, their attention, sure. you know, th through through your TV media. And that's no longer true. Yeah. Um, as we, as we know, it's no um, longer true. <laughs> it's, it's 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 almost free to buy a Facebook ad. Mm -hmm. um, it is. Um, it is essentially free to do blog posts. Um, SEO is very cheap. And so 
the mediums have become so democratized that they're now what creates that attention is not merely dollars. Um, it's also the clarity and singularity and distinctiveness of what you're bringing to your audience. Folks, we can only touch the surface, and we're going to continue this dialogue with my guest, Lindsay Peterson. Her last name is spelled P-E-D-E-R-S-E-N, Lindsay Peterson. Her book is Forging an Ironclad Brand, and I believe your website is ironcladbrandstrategy.com. Is that correct, Lindsay? That is correct, yes. Thank you. So you'll want to go to ironcladbrandstrategy.com. First of all, you want to get the book. You want to read the book, but you can do both at the same time, I guess. So you mentioned in the book that you tell us, you suggest to us, I, I guess is the better way to put it, that you should position your brand or it will be positioned for you. What, what do you mean? Explain. Yeah. Yes. So there, there is sort of this old axiom in marketing, position or be positioned. And this kind of comes to, so if we go back to the definition of, definition of brand, which is the thing or idea that your company owns in the mind of your audience. So people are going to, if people, if you're lucky enough that your audience learns about what you bring, your brand or your company or your product, your offering, um, they are going to do what's easiest for them, which is to either forget it, that's the most likely, mm-hmm. or to piggyback it on top of something that they already know. So um, Uber is kind of like taxis, only you use an app to find them. You know, mm-hmm. So it's not just um, Uber is like this car driving service, it's, it's like they latched it on to first private town cars and then to taxis. Mm-hmm. So that's going to happen. And in a vacuum, um, it pro- it's going to happen in the way that's easiest for your audience in the context of their other, mm. of their frame of reference, which is your competition. Mm-hmm. So they're doing that um, in a way that's, that's going to pr- conserve their own cognitive resources. So if you don't uh, proactively identify what is the thing that you want to own in the mind of your customer, you will I you will be in their head, but it might not be in the way that you like. It probably won't be in the way that you yeah, like if you're not won't. if you're not thinking about what what you want that meaning to be. So it's sort of a um, it's like you're going to have a it's kind of like a person. If you think about a person, all people have reputations. Some people have reputations that they've been really thoughtful about and promoted, and some have reputations kind of in a passive way that they don't like. The same thing happens with companies. So the the it's sort of on the leader to realize and internalize that in not choosing, you're also choosing. Mm-hmm. You're choosing to let the market do it for you. And sometimes you're lucky and that's a favorable position, but usually not, especially if you have competitors who are at all savvy yep. about positioning themselves. Right. I guess that's leading me down the path of explain to me and us what uh, what you call an uncommonator, uncommon, excuse me, un- excuse me, uncommon denominator uncommon denominator that needs some explanation but i think it, <laughs> i think it tags into what you were just saying does it not that's exactly right so the uncommon denominator 
is if listeners might uh, picture for a moment a Venn diagram where one circle represents the customer and what the customer wants. What are the things that the customer needs? Another circle is the competitor. What is the competitor good at? What are their strengths? And the third circle is your company. Um, what What is your company good at? What are your company's strengths? And if you think about this Venn diagram, there are two interesting overlaps. One is the very center of the Venn diagram, the overlap of what a customer wants, what a competitor is good at bringing, and what you as a company are good at bringing. That is the common denominator. Um, that is the table stakes of being in this category. So if you think of, I like to, th- to use food examples. Mm-hmm. If you think of the example of pancakes, pancakes, customers like delicious food. All competitors who make pancakes have delicious pancakes and you are good at delicious pancakes. So the common denominator is delicious. So here's the thing. Most people, when they're identifying their brand, they stop there. They say, oh, we're the pancake that's delicious and kind of pat themselves on the back because they have such a delicious pancake. Um, Your pancake, you should be delicious. Mm -hmm. Like that's not something to congratulate yourself about. I can go just about any place to get delicious pancakes. Right. It's Right? If it's a pancake and it's not delicious, it's barely a pancake. So <laughs> it's not a pancake, right? It's not a pancake. So, it's a, so tell it's, me more. Yes. Okay. So first, recognize. Great. That's that's awesome that you're delicious. What makes you different? And that's why we go to a different overlap in this Venn diagram, which is the overlap of what your customer wants, what you as a company are good at bringing. And what your competitor is not good at. Mm-hmm. And that overlap called the uncommon denominator is the source of possible positioning territories for your business. Mm-hmm. So if it's pancakes, you know, brainstorm, what are these things and what are these things that you're good at that the customer likes that make that are different, that are uniquely yours? Um, maybe it's that you are certified organic. Maybe it's that you um, have a healthy ingredient profile. Maybe it's your heritage. Maybe it's a certain recipe. Um, identify all of those things um, because those are going to be the potential brand areas that are differentiating. You don't just want a brand that is the category benefit, in the case of Pancakes Delicious, because it won't disproportionately build your business. It might build the category, Mm -hmm. but it's not going to disproportionately bring demand to your business. So um, the reason I, I spend so much time talking about this is I'm I'm a little flabbergasted by how common it is to stop at the category benefit. Mm. And it's just not economically compelling to invest to invest in something that the, your competitor brings to. Mm. So um, that's where this gets really, um, it gets interesting. And it also takes some leadership courage to do something that's not quite as obvious as the category benefit. It takes time, and by the way, the book gives you instructions on how to do that and uh, puts you through the paces, if you will. And and what I thought about, I don't know if you put it in these exact words, Lindsay, but you have to be 
Uh, Joe Calloway calls it a category of one. You, you've got to be the best. You can't. Yes. You have to stand out. Is that is that really what we're talking about, too? Or am I am I yes. saying the right words? I love I love that. Yes, and I know Peter Thiel talks about this too in Zero to One. The idea of mm-hmm. being your own category, mm-hmm. and that's another way of thinking about the uncommon denominator is you're focusing on this thing that only you bring and that your customer wants. And the more you focus on that, the less your competitor even matters. You Mm -hmm. don't really even need to be all that worried about your competitor Mm -hmm. when you're the only one who brings this thing. You Mm kind of don't have competitors in a a certain way. And the, no, you use the word best. And this is a little bit, I I don't know um, that a lot of people would agree with me on this, but I much prefer that you're only than best. Uh, I like I'm that. I'm much, right? Like if, Absolutely. where's the thing where you are truly different, not just better? Only. Let's say that word because I don't want them thinking of best. I want them to think what you said and you talk about it in the book. Be the only one there. Hmm. That's powerful. I love yes. that. <laughs> it, and it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. It, <laughs> takes, it takes some it takes some moxie to do that. It's kind of scary. Um, but when you when you embrace that, it's a little bit of a folly to think that you um, don't have to choose in the first place, right? You kind of do, ha- you, every day you're, as a leader, you're making choices about how to spend your time and how to allocate resources, how to spend money, who to hire, who not to hire. You're always making choices. Yep. This is a way to kind of create this North star that makes, that frames all of those choices in a way that can continually reinforce your unique meaning as a business rather than, um, your hedging it either actively or passively kind of, um, making more vague your meaning. You can be sharpening it all the time. So the message is, I guess I'm going to sum up a little bit in my own words and what I interpret it is to be, the uh, only one in that space or that category as viewed by your customer, not yes. as viewed by you. Am I right? That's exactly right. And actually, I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up because we haven't touched on target customer yet. It, you, you're not trying to boil the ocean, right? You're, you're trying to, you start with the sweet spot target customer. Who is this person for whom you bring disproportionate value to their lives. What is this, what characterizes this group of people who who you consider to be your sweet spot? Those are the people who need to view you as the only option. You don't have to be the only option for the entire 7 billion Mm -hmm. human being population on earth. You do need to be the only for your target customer audience, which you can scale depending on the size of your business and your goals for growth. It might be a very small target customer or it could be very large. That's up to you. You scale that. But the the power of focus extends whether you're a small business or a large business. Arguably, if you're a small business with lower resources, you require focus even more because focus generates efficiency. Yes. So, um, so start with the target customer. It's, it's the, you have to have this kind of orientation point for the people that you're optimizing your business for. 
Lindsay, we kind of have to start wrapping up, but I don't want to leave. I want to dovetail into that. And your target customer, one of my favorite topics, I say it in different ways to my clients, as you call it, the bullseye customer. Explain that because that is so important to so many people. They don't get this. Let's get, let's drive this message home. The bullseye customer, tell me what you mean and what you explain in the book. Yes. Yes. So the bullseye, and, and I use this illustration of a dartboard because it seems to help my clients a lot to think, okay, if you're playing a game of darts, you're aiming the dart for the bullseye, but you still get points mm. if your dart hits a different, as long as it's on the dartboard, you're mm-hmm. going to get points. Mm-hmm. But the more that you focus on the bullseye, the more likely your dart will hit the bullseye at all, right? Mm-hmm. So sometimes it helps, sometimes leaders get a little uncomfortable when I tell them that they have to choose their target customer. And what I, what I, urge them to consider is that when you choose your target customer, you're not saying that you're not going to take money from people who aren't your target customer. <laughs> exactly. That's not, I'm not going to make you forego that income just because right. they don't, they yeah. aren't characterized by the characteristics of your target customer. You still get to take that money. You still get points for getting your dart on the dartboard. But the more that you focus on your bullseye, the more that you will attract those outer circles. So Mm -hmm. the target customer, the bullseye, is a decision of who you're going to optimize for. It's it's coming at this question with humility, Mm -hmm. knowing that you can't be all things to all people. None of us can. Even the most deep-pocketed marketers in the world, they have to choose too. So you choose with humility, who are these people that you're going to optimize your business for? And then uh, focus your resources on making your offering so compelling to them. You will attract people beyond that bullseye, but you're always optimizing according to it. And that bullseye customers, generally speaking, are going to be the ones that are going to give you more profit and are going to be the ones, generally speaking, that are going to be loyal to your brand. Lindsay Peterson, we need to wrap up. What a great discussion. What a great book. Her book is Forging an Ironclad Brand, A Leader's Guide. Big company, small company, bid-sized company, I don't care who you are or what you're about, you're going to learn something about brand by reading Lindsay Peterson's book. So, Lindsay, thank you so much for being a guest on the Business Builder Show. I had fun. Thanks for having me, Marty. Thank you so much for listening to the Business Builders Show. To learn more about me, and I'm Marty Wolf, go to MartyWolfBusinessSolutions.com. That's MartyWolfBusinessSolutions.com. To learn more about Kelly Hoey, go to her website, which is jkellyhoey.co. That's jkellyhoey.co. And, of course, you can find Kelly and Marty on LinkedIn and Twitter. A reminder, you can find all our Business Builders shows on iTunes, Spotify, and on your favorite podcast app bringing the business classroom to you it's the business builder show with marty wolf 